very pleased now to have some pregame salutations with Coach Sal. Coach Sal, don't call this game meaningless. No. How can you call any game meaningless? I mean, every player. It's got player, nothing to do with the standings, though. Every player that's on the field is playing a meaningful ball game. You know, I mean, they're getting paid to play. So, you know, to me, the word meaningless has never entered into the conversation. I love what you said earlier, and I couldn't agree more, that when you play and you're not fully committed into a, 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 a football move, a, a play into the game, is you actually have more chance of getting injured and more chance of bad things happening. So you're better, better served for your health as well to be fully immersed and, and with full intensity. Yeah, you're, you're right, Andy. There, there's a major difference, as you know, between resting a veteran player and playing a, a rookie or, or a practice player in his place as to opposed to going on the field thinking I might get hurt. You cannot think that way as a player. You cannot think that way as a coach because everything flows down from the coach. And if a player ever gets that feeling, uh, he more than likely will get hurt. So you, you've got to be 100% committed to play the game. One thing I want to chat with you about is something I find very intriguing is the psychology uh, within the coaching staff about what to, you know, what to do today, what to call, what place to call, what to put on film today, and, and how that's going to affect what's happening next week. So how, how much do you think, look into you know, how much are we going to show or are we going to show certain things so that uh, you know, we're setting, setting plays up for next week that could be double moves or, or whatever, just... How much of that psychology is involved today? And, and give us a little bit of insight on that. Every time we were in a situation as the Ticats are right now, there was a lot of conversation in the coaching offices about exactly what you're saying. Do we want to show something different or do we want to polish what we have and play for execution? We know we're going to play our second quarterback at some point during the game because we have to get him ready for the playoffs, provided something happens to number one. So the conversation always goes around, and there was always the one or two guys in the crowd, ah, let's throw some trick plays in. It's not about the trick plays. It's about showing plays in which you can build the second level. As you say, a double move down the field or a formation which you show only the very beginning of, the, the first part of that formation, this is the play. But your idea is that you're going to build on that during the game or in the next game, give them the second part of that particular play. Have you ever called a play during a game like in this situation just so that it was on film and the other team would have to prepare for it, like a trick play on special teams, for instance? Yeah, special teams. I, I was going to say that that's where you want to put that out. That's where you want to use your formation in your, in your special teams to show something, maybe a reverse off of a kickoff, maybe, maybe a fake punt situation uh, if you're in the right place on the field, uh, maybe an onside kick formation. And all of those things that you put on tape, the other team has to look at and consider, do we practice against that or do we, uh, are we wasting our time? Are they ever <laughs> going to do that? The Ticats uh, with four running backs. And Don Jackson missed the last game 
uh, said, you know, the Ticats had, had said, you know, they wanted to make sure he's ready for the playoffs. So a guy like that who, who did, who played so well in the two previous games, didn't get to play last week in Toronto. What are you expecting to see out of him and, or how they use him in a game like this? Well, I, I think you got to go back to the execution of your running game. As we go to playoffs, run game becomes very, very important. You've got to be able to run the football, take the pressure off your quarterback and off your receiving group, and, and allow them uh, to to be able to progress uh, out there. So, uh, with Jackson and with uh, Early uh, in the backfield, you've got two different kinds of runners. You know, Jackson shows that he can slash it up inside and he can make the one move, put that foot to the ground and go north and south. Where Early is, is a kind of a guy that you can use out of that backfield and flare the ball to him, bubble the ball to him, etc., and still be able to run him inside. So I expect to see the Ticats uh, utilize their run game uh, even to the extent uh, that they kind of emphasize it early. Does anything change on the offensive line, whether it's Don Jackson or early back there? No. No, no nothing changes on the line. You're zone blocking up front. You're moving the double teams off the ball, trying to get to the second-level linebacker. And the running back simply uses his ability to find that hole and make his cuts off of that. What are you hoping to see from the Ticats this afternoon? Like, what is, is there one specific specific aspect of their game that you want to see or need to see some improvement heading into the playoffs? Well, last week, of course, the deep ball was, was uh, a disaster early. The overthrows in the ball game, uh, even though they had the receivers open, the overthrows hurt them. Now, there was wind in that game. I don't know how much it affected the ball. They was throwing with the wind, which usually that means the ball is going to sail on you. But if there's one thing I would like to see done, we had, in the last couple of games, uh, people tossed from the ball game. That's selfish. That, that is pure selfishness. You cannot allow that to happen uh, as a team. And I would like to see this defense, even with the change that they have to make in the secondary with Stribling coming back on, I would like to see them play a very cohesive, very tight ball game. Now, those guys have got 58 knockdowns back there as a group. They got 15 interceptions. You're playing against a Harker who came out of the Colorado School of Mines, which no one knows where it is. It's in Golden, Colorado. It's a Division II school. But Harker has never played for Jason Moss as a coordinator. He's practiced with him, but he's never seen Jason Moss in game situations. And I'll let you in on a secret. I worked with Jason Moss back in 206. And I understand Jason Moss. And he is a perfectionist. He's got a gambler instinct in him, but he's a perfectionist. And on the sideline, he can be very rude to that individual <laughs> coming off the field if he doesn't do what he wants him to do. Shades of uh, Edmonton and, uh, and tossing of uh, water coolers uh, come to mind when you think of Jason Moss for sure. Uh, coach, as a, you know, both of these head coaches today, Craig Dickinson and Orlando Steinhauer, have have an exact same have a, the exact same combined record with their respective teams of 22 wins and nine losses in their tenure there. 
Do you think that's uh, added? And do you think they're looking at that stat at all? Of like who's going to kind of have a better winning percentage after today? Is that does that make any difference at all, or is that just uh, information? You know, stats that we're looking at and overanalyzing. Yeah, I, I think that's stats that uh, people talk about. I, I know Orlando. I, I was here when Orlando came into the league uh, with the Tiger Cats. Uh, he doesn't think that way. His whole mindset is play the game, play it as best you can, get better every play, get better every week, and, and uh, the the wins will fall into place uh, in the end result. That uh, 71% winning percentage, by the way, uh, among all coaches with 30 games of experience for the Ticats, Orlando is uh, first all-time. Craig Dickinson is second all-time uh, behind Eagle Keys of Saskatchewan. So some uh, some good names uh, to be uh, surrounded by. Coach, uh, when you look at the Ticats, you know, D-line, I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of Ted Laurent or Ja'Garrett Davis knowing, you know, the kind of seasons they've had. So a guy like Malden, a guy like Malik Carney, Mason Bennett, what are you hoping to see from, from those guys? Well, that's the same thing we were talking about. Those guys now have an opportunity to show what their worth is. And when you get down to the end of the season, uh, whether a player will tell you this or not, he's always thinking about next year, uh, what is my value going to be? You know, And if he's lucky enough to have an agent, maybe his agent's uh, in his ear telling him, you know, you got to have a great game today because the world is going to be watching you. And if they watch you and you do well, we're going to get a little more money for you next year. Of course, the players are all professionals here and watching the result last night, uh, already knowing that you're going to host the Eastern semis at, uh, in Hamilton no matter what. But as a coach, do you still kind of have uh, something extra to say today to keep the players on track and to kind of emphasize all those points we just discussed? Well, you know, the, the Newt Rockney speeches went out a long time ago, but every coach has his own way of, of talking to his players. And as long as that coach stays within himself and not try to be a phony about whatever he's saying, the players believe him, the players will go out and play. Orlando Steinauer will tell him, you know, look, this is a game about perfection. We're looking for perfection. We may never get it, but we're looking for it. And we want you to go out and play to your very best. Remember, that eye in the sky is not going to lie to us. So do what you can and, and do a good job uh, for us this afternoon. Yeah, we've certainly heard that before, and I, I love the way you said uh, as long as they're being genuine in themselves, that's why that's how players will, will follow leaders, right, because the genu genuinity of it. And so very well said. I, I feel like this is a chance for the, uh, the Thai Cats. You know, they, I don't think they, to me, they haven't, had a lot of close games this year that have gone their way, and their wins, um, many of them were were pretty decisive wins. So uh, the Riders' last six games have been within seven points or less. And is this an opportunity for the Cats to, you know, if we get in that kind of scenario, to to go against a team that has close game experience but come out on the winning side and not, uh, you know, what's happened in recent games? Yeah, you bring up a good point because, you know, uh, it's a mindset. You get into a mindset that Saskatchewan's in, they know they can win the close game. So they don't mind going into the fourth quarter tied up or down one or up one. You know, the Ticats, on the other hand, have, have uh, really stumbled 
in that area. So I think they have to put themselves in a position, as you say, we're playing two playoff teams today. Yeah. Both these teams are in the playoffs. Both these teams have the ability to, to win games. Can we beat a good team on this day when it's close? And I, and I think that's important to know. I think one of the things I'll be watching for is if the Ticats get it to a score like 17-3 or 18-6, like some of those scores that we've seen from the Ticats that, that they end up, uh, you know, not winning, uh, I think that'll go a huge way. Coach Sal, appreciate this as always. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, you're more than welcome, Louis.